You're listening to the Inspire Excellence Podcast, recorded at the BVA headquarters with your hosts, Kevin Miller and Tommy Alquist. Each episode is focused on shedding new light on different perspectives to create dialogue that inspires excellence. And welcome once again to the Inspire Excellence Podcast. Tommy Alquist, Kevin Miller here once again, Tommy, and we've got a, a treasure, not in the Treasure Valley, but so important, not only to Idaho, but to our national security that we'll be finding more about today. Yeah, and I, I think uh, most people in the state have heard a lot about the INL, but in the Treasure Valley, not as much. Uh, the INL is an important resource for our state and and poorly understood. I, full confession, when I began my run for governor, uh, knew, knew a little bit about what I read, uh, had no idea. I uh, had only scratched the surface of what it means to our country, what it means to our state, what it means to the economy here, what it means to the future of Idaho. And so Amy, Amy Lentz, our guest today, uh, she kindly, we've been bugging you for a while to come over here because I really, Kevin, I wanted to get Amy on here to, to tell our listeners a little bit more about the INL. Um, and so that's, they, thank you very much for driving over today in the, in the rain and sleet and no you're, snow, right? No snow. <laughs> Well, but very, you're very welcome. I'm very honored to be here today. Well, Amy, I, I, uh, it was, it was fun getting to know you on the campaign and, uh, and visiting the INL as many times as I did. But before we start, can you just tell us a little bit about you? Oh, I'd, I'd love to. Um, I consider myself an Idaho native. Um, I grew up a fish hatchery brat, so that relates to Orofino, Idaho, the, the steelhead capital of the world. So my mother was a uh, a chemist and my father treated fish diseases. And so I, I lived in a beautiful place in a rural town, but I was also surrounded by science um, with, with playing around with microscopes and the first computer that came to Orofino, Idaho in my mom's classroom. So we uh, were exposed to that at an early age, which I think influenced me to, to pick a career in science and in engineering. So I uh, am a graduate of Boise State in environmental science, and then I'm also a graduate from the College of Engineering at the University of Idaho, and I am very fortunate that I've had a great run at a career in large engineering firms and found my way back to Idaho uh, working for the Idaho National Laboratory. So, Before we go past there. Yep. Orofino, beautiful place. Yes. Very rural. Very rural. Very remote. Mm -hmm. What was it like going into STEM as a young girl? I mean, that, that choice, you told me about the influence, but that it can't happen very often. Did you have any barriers or did things hold you back when you said, hey, this is what I'm going for? We had fabulous teachers in Orofino. And I, I think because it was a rural town, we had to find our own entertainment. And so that came through um, being exposed to nature and uh, the rivers and the lakes that were up there, but just also general curiosity and finding a way to learn more. But the teachers were fabulous. So they really encouraged you and cheered you on to find ways to uh, go on to get your education. So I, I was very fortunate growing up there. Oh, Amy, if you could, for people that are just moving into Idaho, maybe they're listening outside of Idaho, could you give us the significant history of the INL? Because a lot of folks don't understand how crucial the INL was and is to our national defense. Uh, yes, great question. 
It happens to be our 70th birthday this year. Um, it was in, uh, in 1949 that Idaho National Laboratory, under a different name, uh, was announced as the, uh, as the nuclear test reactor station. So it started its roots by um, uh, taking um, nuclear energy, but using it for commercial purposes, for energy purposes. So uh, Idaho was the place in which energy first came about through nuclear. And that's why if you drive through Arco, Idaho, you'll see all kinds of signs that say the first city lit by, by, by nuclear energy. So uh, I, that's the beginnings of it. But also Idaho National Laboratory is the home of helping uh, the nuclear Navy. So it definitely has its roots in helping the Navy um, start its its nuclear fleet. So those are kind of the, the pieces in which was founded at, for Idaho National Laboratory. And since then, they had 52 test reactors um, at Idaho National Laboratory. But we also have had a, a history in helping with other national security challenges. So we'll, we'll probably get to talk a little bit more about that. I don't know, Tommy. I think Tommy has the clearance. I'm not sure I can do that, but uh. <laughs> I, I don't have clearance. I've, I, as, as I toured all these sites uh, during the campaign, my goodness, the history lesson you go on, Kevin, because you think back. So you think back 70 years ago when they started mm -hmm. testing nuclear reactors back then mm -hmm. and the technology and the equipment, it honestly, you would leave those, those facilities. And, and it was, it was mind blowing to think that 70 years ago, what was going on here that ended up shaping nuclear energy around the world happened right here from Idaho. So that's the first part is this exciting science part and, right. and all you can learn from, from, the, from the nuclear energy. Talk to us a little bit about, because there's that part, and, and the way I described it on the, on the campaign trail, because I'd get lots of questions about the INL, now it's become, when we hear cybersecurity, what we usually think is, Hey, I don't want to get hacked. Kevin got hacked recently. I did. Uh, his, his, his radio station was hacked. And I think that's what we think cybersecurity. When you go to the INL, it blows your mind because what they're talking about is grid security. So think of power grids. Think of water supply chains. Think of everything that drives our country and the economy. That's what they protect. Yes. And so you've got kind of this research arm. Mm -hmm. You've got this grid security arm. Right. And then what most Idahoans that aren't very politically minded think mm -hmm. of the INL is the waste side of this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit how, how all that goes together and sure. what we should take away when we think of INL versus what we might take away? Yeah, good, good, excellent lead in. Um, so Idaho National Laboratory is actually uh, managed by the U.S. Department of Energy. And there's 17 national labs and Idaho is lucky to have one of those, but most of our work has began in the, in the area of energy, that being nuclear energy, as you mentioned. But because nuclear energy is so complex and has so many systems tied to it, that's where we began to get real good expertise also in the cybersecurity that you mentioned. We call it critical infrastructure protection. That's a mouthful of saying how you said it more eloquently is how do we protect um, our, our control systems that help control a dam, for instance, or the grid, or a water system, or a wastewater system? Because everything is um, essentially vulnerable right now in this very digital age. 
So our very smart engineers and scientists are thinking ahead of hopefully that hacker that was unfortunately attacking a place like your station um, to think about ways in which a hacker can get in and how do we protect that. So we are fortunate to have 890 square miles at Idaho National Laboratory. When you think about that amount of space, that's as big as the state of Rhode Island. It's a quite, a, quite a playground, essentially, for science and engineers. So we have our own grid. We actually have water treatment systems. We actually go on site and, and uh, do this in a, in real kind of, in a real way, at, at scale, we call it. To, to actually test things out and see how we can take down a grid, how we can take down a water system, and how can now we prevent that. So those are, um, those are the types of things that we are on the map in the world for being able to do better than anybody else. And the fact that we actually know energy as well, we combine our expertise with energy and the work that we do in National Homeland Security you can't find another place in the world that can, can do all of that that's so needed in today's time. So we like to think of ourselves as, as the place in which we are actually protecting and improving the environment, energy, and security for the world. Boy, that's easier said than done, especially, Amy, in the climate that we live in today when you have all these foreign powers out to get us whether it's China with the hacking, whether it's North Korea with the EMPs. Uh, what's the security like in eastern Idaho with the INL? Because, you know, people, we're, look, we live in the Treasure Valley. We're chill. We're hanging out, having a great time. Mm -hmm. We're not really worried about, uh, you know, Red Dawn coming here. But obviously there are people that, that have the INL in their, their target sites. Yeah, there, 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 there may very well be people that are um, looking at us from outside, uh, but we have a pretty robust security system all in ourselves. We have very we have trained people in um, in security that protect our materials that we have, that protect our equipment, protect the people in which that work there. So we are definitely um, uh, definitely it, it, we definitely care about this, and and we we make sure that that we're doing what we need to do to protect our assets. One of my favorite stories, Kevin, is I, there's, you can't go tour the INL in one day. No. <laughs> it's impossible because it's just the, the depth and breadth of your research and the detailed things that go on there are just, it's, it's, it's mind boggling. But in one of the visits over there, I went to their cybersecurity division, if you will. And I'll never forget, I can't remember the name of the director that came out to take me on my tour, but he says, hey, welcome. He says, I don't want to freak you out. He says, but when I'm done with your tour today, you're probably going to call your wife and all your kids and tell them to get off the internet, tell them to never plug into anything ever again, because it's going to freak you out. And it did. <laughs> so we basically went through the whole entire thing of what they do to, to study um, how to protect us. Yeah. And, and it's all, all levels, right? It's big. It's the big national uh, emergencies related to grids and water and power and dams, but it's also down to the level of what happens when you plug a smart car into your home? Right. And what if that smart car has been wired then to go into your home and into your systems and download everything about you? Yeah. And, and they went on and on and on. And by the end of it, Amy, I was scared to death. I literally <laughs> did walk out and go, oh my goodness. First, I'm glad that there's someone looking out for us. 
right. because I was pretty naive at what what's out there to get us. Um, and secondly, it was just you walk away pretty impressed that it, that it's here in Idaho. I'm going to change the subject a little bit here on you for the next uh, the next question. Um, most people on this side of the state that do know something about the INL, I think, know about the controversy surrounding the waste. Yeah. And I'll, I got to tell you, once I dug into it for myself, actually wasn't all that controversial. Uh, but I think it would be helpful if you could give us a brief summary of of the waste that that got here the plan for it to go out with the agreement, uh, what went wrong with that plan and why we still have it and how that may inhibit now because of maybe a little po politics of us just getting test samples into our state to continue to do the valuable work there. I think that's the summary that most people would like to know. But when you read the paper, it gets pretty political and sometimes it's like, oh, the governor's fighting with the the, the uh, attorney general and yeah. I, I, it would be good for people to hear what's going on with that. Cause I think it'll keep coming up. Yeah. I, happy to share what I can. Um, the, the, some clarification. So I mentioned the U S department of energy manages the Idaho national laboratory site. And there's two contractors essentially. Um, there's the Idaho National Laboratory, which is managed by Battelle Energy Alliance, who I work for. And then there's also the Idaho Cleanup Project, which is managed by FLOR. So um, the work underneath Idaho National Laboratory is associated the, with the research and the development side of energy and security, like we talked about. And then the FLOR contract manages the waste cleanup. And they're pretty much working themselves out of a job. They're doing a fantastic job of cleaning up the legacy waste issues. And we weren't maybe understanding how to manage waste way back when, before any of us were probably born, and how they managed, um, how they managed nuclear materials and nuclear waste. Um, so the cleanup contractor has done a very good job of getting in there, packaging the waste, and, and sending it off to New Mexico for the most part, which is the waste isolation pilot plant. But also on the site, there is liquid waste um, that's, um, that is uh, in st stainless steel large you know, vessels that also needs to be treated. And it's complex. I mean, it's a technology that they picked that has never been used before. They call it steam reforming. So they essentially want to extract the liquid and turn it into kind of a consistency like tide detergent, right? and then package that and send it away for, for disposal. Um, however, there's two complications. One, that place to send it off for disposal does not yet exist. <laughs> um, there's a lot of controversy over Yucca Mountain, and, and that has not, uh, has not happened yet. They don't have a location. The good news is that the, the liquid waste is monitored very carefully. It's not going anywhere. It's staying in... It, it's staying in place. However, you don't want it to be like that forever, right? So this technology, which is called the Integrated Waste Treatment Unit, they're hoping to turn that on and turn it into that tide detergent that they can put into a, a, a non-liquid form and they'll store it and hopefully we'll have a location in which uh, the nation can send materials like this. Well, that's wrapped up in what they call the settlement agreement, which was, which was signed under Governor Batt. And um, pretty much in a, in a very simplistic form, it was Idaho, 
national laboratory site, you must get rid of X number of, of amount of waste before you can bring anything in. And so um, because that integrated waste treatment unit has not started treating the liquid waste yet, um, we, as the Idaho National Laboratory, are not necessarily able to get in some of the research materials to do some work for the commercial nuclear interests. And it's not much materials that we're asking for, but it is caught up in the settlement agreement discussion. Um, how the waste is currently stored and treated right now on the Idaho National Laboratory, boy, our technology has come so far. We're, it's monitored very carefully. We, you know, we are highly regulated. The nuclear industry is the most regulated industry in the United States. So there's, there's really very little risk in terms of anything going wrong with how it's managed currently. It's just, we're all ready for this, this integrated waste treatment unit to turn on so we can, so we can start doing the research that we're really good at. So takeaway, cleanup has gone incredibly well. Correct. And it, it, there's just a couple of factors that are completely out of our control with, with, with then moving it on to the next step. Uh, but I, I guess sometimes that gets lost in all this that, yes. oh, somehow things are going poorly over there with the cleanup. No, nothing could be farther from the truth. It's going very, very well. Yep. And everything within our control is going great. So thanks for clearing that up. You know, Amy, um, we're all about the same age. So there were a couple events in our lives and now hbo has the new series chernobyl and uh, i don't think i've shared this with tommy i mrs miller won't let me go there but i'm fascinated to go to chernobyl just to see the civilization and they have tours now and such yes. but you take a look at the perception from back in the day when we, we saw as kids the china syndrome yeah. three mile island chernobyl how is that helped the nuclear industry as you said the most heavily regulated obviously to ensure that to the best of everyone's ability, that doesn't happen again. Well, the the nuclear in industry is very tightly connected around the world. So when one event happens, the whole industry knows about it. I just got out of a meeting for three days of the history of nuclear energy and the nuclear uh, incidents that happened in its past. So good timing on the question. <laughs> it was fascinating. Um, but, but take a more recent example, Fukushima, correct? So that was, um, that event happened and the whole world that knows the nuclear industry responded. We were, we were doing our best to help, but we were also watching what was happening in our backyard and just like taking those lessons learned as fast as we could and, and applying it to our own situations at home. So we have, we have um, the advanced test reactor um, that's on the Idaho National Laboratory site. And it is a, it, it's a treasure of a, uh, of a reactor in terms of the work that it does. But when Fukushima happened, we immediately were, were analyzing and capturing that information and understanding, did we have any Thing that was relatable to our particular reactor at home. So we're all learning as much as we can, and we spend we spend all kinds of time dissecting the incident and, and have some very smart people that help apply those lessons, learn to new designs, which the new designs that we're taking on right now at Idaho National Laboratory with the small modular reactor, for instance, that um, is going to really changed the world in terms of how we capture energy 
that has all these lessons learned baked into that technology. Can you talk a little more about that? Because I think most people wouldn't know how exciting that is and where that is in the process. So small modular nuclear reactors, this is, this is the next, next invent really of, of, of the INL in concert with a lot of companies around the world to, to produce these reactors that are on a smaller scale that can be more nimble in their use, I guess would be the way I would say it. I am so excited about uh, this technology. So when you think of a normal size reactor, they usually are about 1500 megawatts and they're, they take up a good size footprint, maybe, the, maybe about the size of the building that we're in right now. When you look at the small modular reactors, they're about, you know, they're, they can be about 50 megawatts. So they're much smaller. This particular company that's going to, going to build the first small modular reactor of this kind in the world will be right here in Idaho. The company is called New Scale. Um, they, they are, they've started in Oregon, and um, they're well underway of building uh, 12 of these reactors at the Idaho National Laboratory site. They wanted to pick Idaho National Laboratory because they're surrounded by the experts that know about how to start up new technology. So we're very proud that we were chosen as the place in which they are going to start up the new reactors. Um, They're building it in a 12-pack, essentially. But two of those reactors will be used for research purposes. So more scientists and engineers around the world who want to learn about these reactors will be coming to Idaho to learn from that or test things out and then maybe taking that technology to their countries. In fact, those phone calls are already coming in and it's pretty exciting. But the other 10 reactors are gonna generate electricity, which is also very exciting. So um, there is, uh, the, the, the operator of the technology is UAMPS, which is the Utah Accelerated, Accelerated Municipal Power Systems Organization. So they're a consortium of about 17 other utilities, including Idaho Power, including, um, including Idaho Falls Power. So they will buy electricity from the small modular reactor. But if you don't mind me taking you on another journey, um, there is another smaller reactor yet that the Department of Defense is incredibly interested in. We call it the micro reactor. And those are at about 10 megawatts. They can almost fit in the back of a pickup truck. And why, why is the Defense Department so excited about this? Well, for many reasons. But if you think about your military bases and, and take yourself maybe to Afghanistan or to Iraq or a, a place in which there's a war zone where you have to quickly set up a base and get electricity there. Well, if you drive to, to get electricity there, what they're doing is hauling diesel on these roads that are very dangerous. They lose so many lives in which they're just hauling things along that road just to generate electricity for base camp. When you have a microreactor, you know, you can set that up, and that's the hope. You know, we haven't deployed one yet, but to set that up at base camp within, you know, maybe maybe 72 hours, get that electricity going without generating, you know, getting on the roads to get the, the diesel to them. Um, and then you can take it down just as quickly. So the defense is very excited about the microreactor, and they truly are looking at Idaho National Laboratory for that technology as well. You know, I mean, let's um, switch gears. And Tommy touched on this when he was on the campaign. And 
Having had a chance to speak with Congressman Simpson over the years, he loves the INL. But for people in the Treasure Valley or throughout the country listening, um, how big of an employer is the INL? We're the sixth largest employer in Idaho. So Idaho National Laboratory has about 4,300 employees right now. So we have a business volume of about a, about $2 billion a year, and we contract out about $200 million to Idaho businesses a year. So we like to consider ourselves a significant contributor to the Idaho economy. The thing that's exciting about what we do is it's not just in our backyard. We have vendors and suppliers that are clear up in the panhandle and many that are in the Treasure Valley that support the work that, that we do. The other thing that's really exciting and is that um, because of our growth, we partnered with the state of Idaho to actually build, have them build two other new facilities to help with our growth. One is for a high-performing computing capability, which is so important in the day of art, in today's world of digitalization. Um, but the state is building that building, and we will house one of the fastest computers in the Northwest and in the top 100 fastest computers in the world. So that will be turned on, and we are going to connect it with all of the Idaho universities. So an engineer or a scientist up in Moscow, Idaho, can turn on their machine and play around on this high-performing computer as if it's right next door to them. And we're going to connect it through the Idaho Regional Optical Network, which is a network that'll, that connects the rest of Idaho and, and uh, allows data to move back and forth very quickly. The other building is related to cybersecurity, and the state is making that investment. But the whole reason that they're doing this is so we grow our talent and have more availability of workforce from our universities, from our community colleges and technical colleges. So this economy hopefully will continue because we're growing our own talent and it's a great partnership that, that came together to do that. I'm going to ask you a question on that. So growing our own talent, one of the things that, uh, boy, I'd love to see, and maybe you can help us for people listening there is in Eastern Idaho, significant community outreach. You guys are everywhere. You're well-known. There's so many employees over there that know the, the mission and, and the connection to the community over here, not so much. Um, if you're a parent listening out, out mm -hmm. there that, that has a son or daughter that may be interested in science and, mm -hmm. and the, the exciting things that are happening in science here in the state, mm -hmm. um, what is the best way to get more exposure down at the Idaho family level over on this side of the state so that we may know career opportunities or paths that may lead through the INL? I know for me with my kids, I'd way rather have my kids here at INL than somewhere else around the country. But but I think yeah. that sometimes we don't even know what's going on. Yeah, no, that's that, and we're we're working hard to change that. Um, but we specifically have partnered with the Idaho STEM Action Center. Uh, that helps us make sure that we are well integrated into the activities that they're doing. So there's science and engineering fairs that happen. There are lots of programs into the schools, and I have actually have a team of teachers that are also helping um, Idaho National Laboratory, along with a really great staff of, of STEM educators that are everywhere. So we're, but we're 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 definitely um, 
we, there's more need there and there are that we have people. So we're also trying to do things where we're getting to the counselors, to the parents, to the teachers, because we can't be everywhere with every student to try to inspire them to code or to go into cybersecurity or into energy. So we're doing things like the STEM parents help wanted, STEM help wanted uh, book that helps kids understand which career pathway to go to. We're helping parents have um, a, a guide guideline of how they can go get more information to help their students. We're partnering with Idaho Public Television to get the word out into rural, to rural schools and rural um, households. Um, so we're we're trying to be as creative as we can to touch as many people as we can with the resources that are available to us. But we also have fantastic grants that we give. We give away about four hundred thousand dollars a year in STEM um, STEM grants. So there's an op there's opportunities that come along for teachers and educators to apply for those, and they can go to inl.gov and find out all kinds of great information. Fantastic, and. Amy, finally, what inspires you? Oh, gosh. I have the best job in the world. I, I get to wake up every day and go to Idaho National Laboratory, and I learn something every single day. I hang out with some of the smartest people in the world, and I just I feed off of that. I get my energy off of watching folks really try to solve the world's challenges that we have. And they're really is a lot of passion there at Idaho National Laboratory. They, they want to do things that actually make a difference. And I get to be surrounded by that every single day. So it's hard not to be inspired. Or There's a lot of pride at Idaho National Laboratory by our employees. And we all have the desire that all of Idaho has that same pride and really wants to come visit us and learn more because we are open for business. People can come and visit us. And I love sharing the stories about what we do with other people. So. Well, thank you for coming on today and thank you for being so fantastic. And personally, I want to thank you for, for helping me uh, go from where I was in my knowledge to where I got at the end of that campaign. Always so nice. Even though you guys knew Brad was going to win. Oh gosh. <laughs> We I didn't did know Brad was know that. Win. Yeah. You guys were always so, so nice to me. Every time I went there, I just, I'd, I'd walk away every time, just so impressed with the professionalism and the commitment to Idaho at the INL. And so one more time, the website, if any, I really want people out yes. there to listen to go check it out. Yep. INL.gov. It's INL.gov. And, and there are 1-800 numbers. People can sign up for tours. We're, we don't want to be a secretive place. We want people to know more about what we do. Amy, so. thank you very, very much. Appreciate it. All right. We want to thank everybody for listening and to strive for excellence. You've been listening to the Inspire Excellence Podcast. We invite you to find something that inspires you this week. Join us again for our next episode.